and welcome to the weekly summaries of the Good Shepherd Bible Study. I am your host, Miller Ansel, the church planning intern. We are a Bible study and longing to be a church plant of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church here in Southwest Houston. So if you're in Southwest Houston, we meet in Stafford at 3211 South Main Street in a church building called Grace Center. We'd love to have you out. Also, please check out our website at gsbiblestudy.org, as well as like us on Facebook at Southwest Houston Reformed. So week five, we are studying Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16, on being salt and light. When we ask the question, what does it mean to be a Christian? There's a lot of good, right answers we can give. Uh, I was baptized, and I'm a Christian. In a certain sense, that is very true. I go to worship every week, therefore I'm a Christian. In a certain sense, that is very true. But it's not enough. We can't say, I've been baptized, therefore, that's all I need to do, or I go to worship every week, and that's all I need to do. Instead, Jesus is telling us here in these verses that we are uh, not simply to be salt and light, but in fact, we are salt and light. It's not something that we have to live up to, but it is something that we are. So to read verses 13 through 16, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So right away, the first metaphor that Jesus uses is that Christians are salt. Why does Jesus choose this metaphor? Uh, salt, for one, it's small, it's, it seems insignificant, yet its properties are very valuable. Salt uh, cleanses, there's a medicinal quality to salt. Salt seasons, uh, these are all very good qualities of salt. Perhaps we could take those and run with them in certain ways. But I think first and foremost, it is salt is a preservative. It's the reason that salt is used in uh, salt covenants that we find in Numbers 18 and 19. There we see that salt is put on these sacrifices to bring out the preservation of them, that these are eternal, everlasting covenants being made. So salt is used because it's a preservative. Now, the superstitious will tell us, well, if you spill some salt, you better throw some salt over a, a certain shoulder. But rather, Jesus actually tells us, spill your salt everywhere. Because salt is a preservative for society. It is a curb against complete anarchy. It preserves against greater sinfulness. Thus, we ought to be salt as Christians and used as a preservative for the world around us. 
you know, the world around us, they think they're getting better. Uh, the evolutionist, the biological evolutionists think we're progressing towards something better. Philosophical evolutionists think similar things. The world is getting better. It's full, to be full of better and better people. But the Christian knows that's not the case, that the world is actually sinful and corrupt, and it constantly needs the Christian salt within it to stop decay, to stop sinfulness. So what does that look like? What does it look like to preserve society of salt? Well, think of your co-workers. Uh, perhaps your uh, co-worker who likes to go out Friday, Saturday night and um, be sexually immoral. When he comes around you, he doesn't share the tales because he knows you do not approve of such illicit activity. Perhaps people aren't so apt to gossip around you. Perhaps others ask you to pray around a meal. There's something of the saltiness of Christianity going on in all those instances where people uh, take the Lord's name in vain less around you because they know it is offensive. That is the kind of thing we're talking about, the certain saltiness of Christians as we uh, are a curb against complete anarchy in society and as we preserve the culture. But Jesus tells us that if salt loses its saltiness, uh, it's worthless, right? That is to say that a Christian losing uh, his Christianness is worth it, worthless. That's when we stop acting like believers. We are good for nothing. All we are good for is to be thrown out. In fact, the uh, British pastor, Martin Lloyd-Jones, would say these people are pathetic. That's a very harsh term. I don't know what the culture was like in England at the time when he was a pastor. For us in Texas, wow, you are calling some people out. But that's what he says, and it is absolutely true. It is pathetic to call yourself a Christian, but have nothing of Christian quality, to have nothing of Christian characteristic. To do so is to lose your saltiness. There's a lot in Scripture about this type of activity. We call them typically warning passages. The book of Hebrews is full of them. We find it in Jesus' parable, the wheat and the tares. And I think we find it implicitly here. The idea basically being that just because one is a member of the church, that is the covenant community, it doesn't mean you're truly saved. It doesn't mean that you're part of the invisible church. Rather, we all need to be on guard against losing our saltiness. We need to make sure that we are glorifying God in all that we do and keeping that saltiness about us. The next metaphor that Christ uses is light. Well, what does that mean? Salt is uh, to preserve against decay. Light is actually to dispel the darkness. So that being light in the world is to be a Christian in lifestyle and in evangelism. That means we live like Christians and we talk like Christians, which looks very different from a dark world. We know that the world is in darkness due to their sin. In darkness, they cannot see where they are going. They wander around in a dark ethical uh, labyrinth. They call good evil. They call evil good uh, if only there was some way that this dark world could be close to the light. Oh, well, hey, guess what? The Christians are the light. 
You are the ones that are called to shed light in this dark, uh, unethical place so that the unbeliever is not groping about in darkness. Instead, we have the gospel to give people. 1 Peter 2.9 is very clear on this, that being called out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's what the Bible is about, is about redemption and saving man out of that darkness. Well, okay, so where light, where does that light start? Where is the, uh, the flame originate? And I think it's best to say that that flame must originate in the household. If the flame is not burning in the house, it will not burn outside the house. It is imperative for us as Christians to have our own times of private worship, where we read the scriptures, where we pray. It is imperative that we have times of family worship to do the same thing. We must have households in which we love one another, in which we serve one another. And if we're not doing such in the house, it's not worth taking the light outside. In fact, to not do so in the house is really to cover up the light. We see that a city set on a hill is not to be hidden. People do not put a light under the basket. We all know the song, right? Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Uh, we need to remember the purpose of light. The purpose of light is not to be hidden. The purpose of light is to shine. And so the true Christian recognizes that. They don't run from being light. In fact, they see the silliness of trying not to be light. And so we do not abuse the light. In fact, we shine because we recognize that we are the light. And again, what does that mean? It means to live a Christian lifestyle. It means to evangelize our neighbor. And we see that those who shine their lights, that others will see their good works and give glory to their Father who is in heaven. Well, what does that mean? It means that all of our good works actually come from Him. That's why the glory is given to our Father in heaven and not to the one who does the good works. We have nothing in and of ourselves to offer mankind or our Lord other than what He has worked in us through His Spirit. And so we do not extol our libertarian free will. Instead, we extol our Lord, who has graciously given us good works to do, and yet he even calls those works ours. What a gracious God that we serve. Well, I'd like to conclude with three lessons we can learn from both of these metaphors. The first is that there is a fundamental difference between the church and the world, between the Christian and the non-Christian. We cannot minimize those differences. And so we must ask ourselves, do we look as different as salt from decay? Do we look as different as light from darkness? Nobody is served by us when we try to obliterate these differences. We like to say, well, I'm a Christian and I look just like you, except I believe in Jesus. That's true to a certain point, but we are not just like the world. We are very different and we need to be sure to let that light shine and let it be known. The second lesson we learn is that we must accept the responsibility of being salt and light. We cannot compromise, whether it be laziness or fear, right? That is the great uh, issue with this, is we are salt and light, and we don't like that, so we want to be lazy and sit on our couch. Or we're fearful of what others might think or say or do to us. Rather, 
If we are called to be salt and light, we must accept such a responsibility. Thirdly, we see our Christian responsibility as twofold. Salt is, has a negative connotation. We prevent decay. Light is more positive. It dispels the darkness. So negatively, we can see from Romans 1 that what happens when our culture loves sin is its values and standards decline, becoming corrupt, and God gives them over to their sin. We'd hate to see that in our society. And so we, as salt, cannot sit in the cupboard. We must be rubbed into the meat of society. Right? When unsalted meat is decaying and becomes rotten and infested, we don't blame the meat. We ask the question, where's the salt? And as salt, we must do uh, what we are called to do. We must stick to the scriptures, denounce the world, and rub ourselves in to that uh, very meat. We are uh, not called to be uh, monks or nuns or Amish to go away from the world. Instead, we're called to be in the world as salt. And then the light's the more positive one. We not only spread the gospel, uh, but we also live a Christian lifestyle. I know growing up, it was always, what are these good works I have to do? Well, they're quite simple. One, just going to church on the Lord's Day is a great work you can do. Your neighbors see it. People notice. Uh, so going to church is a great way a great basic simple way to live a Christian lifestyle and to have that sort of foundation that your neighbors can see. But it's not just enough to live that lifestyle, right? We don't want to be a silent witness. Uh, if I was ever accused of a crime, I wouldn't want a silent witness on the stand. That does me no good. I want somebody that's going to talk. And so we as Christians need to talk. We need to evangelize and tell our neighbors about the gospel. So that's what it is to be salt and light, to preserve society, to live a Christian life, and to talk a Christian talk. If we sum up Matthew 5, 13 through 16, that's what it is.